Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Decker. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. We are here. We are ready to go, Mike. Uh, lots of big, uh, lots of big news coming out. Obviously, for your Detroit fan, uh, the NBA draft was a huge night for you, um, and we're going to get into that as well as the big Russell Westbrook trade and the implications that it causes. And whether Mike is happy or not about that and his effective uh, his effectiveness against, you know, King James himself, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, whether that's actually going to happen or not, I'm not 100% sure. But we'll break it down uh, in full detail. Obviously, we're also going to be talking WWE's releasing of Bray Wyatt. That was some big news that came over the weekend that I don't think anybody was expecting. We're also going to hit on AEW in the deathmatch scene, Chris Jericho versus Nick Cage. Uh, sent a lot of shockwaves through a lot of people's minds. Uh, kind of introduced quite a few fans to that style of wrestling, if we're going to call it that. Um, and, you know, and whether AEW should incorporate that more. And we're obviously going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. He's back in Green Bay. We're going to talk about that press conference, the Packers moves accordingly, uh, some of the comments. Where does that put Green Bay in the, in the hierarchy of the NFL? And to end the show today, we're going to start with a fantasy football preview. Uh, you know, fantasy football drafts are kind of kicking off here as training camp starts and gets underway. So we figured what better way to get you guys prepared uh, than to give you some tips, some tricks, some maybe some guys that maybe some people aren't thinking about uh, and all that good stuff in between. Uh, Mike's going to lead the way on that pretty hard. So uh, let's just jump right in here, Mike. Let's start with the big news uh, that's going on here in the city. Uh, Kate Cunningham is officially a Detroit Piston. Um, thank goodness. All the speculation, all of the the rumors about this team trying to trade up and this team and Troy Weaver really likes Jalen Green and blah, 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 blah. All for naught. Um, they followed a process, according to Troy Weaver, and the process was he's the best prospect. And I'm sure it took about 12 minutes for them to do that. Uh, thoughts on Cade Cunningham officially being a Detroit Piston? Um... I mean, it's it's great. It's a little anticlimactic, isn't it? it? Is. When the actual pack pick happens, uh, was, it's like, oh, okay, good, we did it. Yeah, All I was right. talking to my friends about it, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, because they were so excited for the draft, I was like, it's it's fun to like go into drafts, and yep. we we do the Lions one every year. Yeah. But it's like once you make that pick, you're like, oh, cool, and then you kind of like wait, and you go, all right, so that's. So that's yeah. done. Yeah, so we, we got like six months until we actually see him, but like it's <laughs> yeah, it's cool that we right. picked him. Yeah. Like we did the same thing with Okuda and Panay Suo and yep. stuff. Like we're like, yep. oh, we picked the guy we thought. All right, now like Yeah, there's an excitement, you know, a brief moment where you're like, Yes. And then after that you're like Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Right, so cool. we got yeah, we now we wait until October to watch him actually play. Or yeah. play summer league, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's sooner. But yeah. um but yeah, I mean it was a great pick. I think it was the right, right pick. pick. Yeah. I don't think you could you could have picked Jalen Green there, um, only because I think like if, if you you can't make a mistake picking Cade, no. it's it's impossible to make. If you pick Jalen Green, right. all of a sudden Cade is super yourself up. Yeah, for people going what? You yeah, had like, the best prospect staring you in the face. You just yeah, like if if Cade doesn't work out, like all the if like Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, or like Zion, yep. those guys don't work out. Yep. It's like okay, well those are the consensus number right. ones. So right. if they don't work. No one can really be like how how would you pick right. him? How when, did you miss this? Yeah, how would yeah. you miss this when he was obviously everyone's number one? And everyone wanted to trade up for him and stuff. Right. So you can't. It's it's a can't miss mm -hmm. pick at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you were if you were picking two. Now that we could answer yeah, some that, room for criticism point, right. because yeah. there's no number clear number two. So yep. Evan Mobley is great or Suggs is great. Maybe you made a wrong move. No. But at number one, Cage should be the pick, and he was the pick. And 
Um, my Kate Cunningham jersey, it's on its way. Did so. you already order it? Really? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I was thinking about it, but I'm like, when am I ever going to wear a Pistons jersey? So uh, I don't when know. I, I go to when those. I go to the first game, I'm yeah, going to be wearing one. Maybe I might buy like the T-shirt version or something yeah. like that. I'm fat, so it happens. But <laughs> um, no, I think it's the right pick. Um, <clears throat> you know, there was a lot of you know a lot of rumors. It's like, oh, the Pistons may trade out of it, you know, and all that good stuff. But I think everybody in the back of their mind knew that. You know, Troy Weaver's not going to let this opportunity slip by, right? When he was mm-hmm. in OKC, you know, they never really had that opportunity. Even Durant wasn't even the number one pick. No. So it's like, you know, when they were in Seattle and all this stuff. So having this pick, having the flexibility to do whatever the hell you wanted to do um, is huge. And to get your franchise player, you know, the the transformation of this, of this franchise happened at the start of last year mm-hmm. when Weaver got hired. But this is the crucial step in that right i would say this and then probably next off season when they have a ton more cap flexibility more than they already do which is quite a bit by the way um and we'll get into that in a second but are the two biggest moves like from a from a procedural standpoint to get them competitive again this this and then whatever big name free agent that they are somehow able to lure yeah this is next year Brad Holmes is picking his quarterback move yes, for the Pistons. Absolutely. Is exactly what it is. Yeah, it's for sure. you're picking your franchise guy, yep. the guy you're gonna try to ride with the next twelve ish yep. years mm-hmm. or however long he's gonna play for. Yep. Um and if he works and he's and he's what everyone thinks he is, you're which a genius. you're a genius yep. and you're gonna be relatively competitive within the Eastern, the weaker Eastern Conference, yes. for a very long time, possibly yep. fighting for championships or whatever. And if it doesn't work, like your quarterback situation, uh, if that, you're uh, then you're out <laughs> and you have to restart basically from scratch in five years. So yep. it's kind of, it's a it's tipping an point. It's exciting time because we're on that rise, right? Yeah. You're full of optimism and you're ready to go, but knowing and you're you're 100 accurate when it's like, okay, but. There is that trap door waiting yeah. if something happens. Yeah. Right? Let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope that, if nothing else, for the kid, you're hoping that he has a yeah. long and fruitful career. Obviously, um, he's a super he's a super mellow dude. I really like the attitude he brings. Yeah. You know his. He, you know he even introduced himself at the press conference and like everybody didn't know who the hell this dude was. Mm-hmm. Right, like you know everybody basically did backflips. You know what's funny? I think is there was more excitement about getting the number one pick mm-hmm. than actually making the number one pick, yeah. which is always kind of interesting um but no you're 100 accurate right and it's it's the tipping point we are right at the cusp of seeing the pistons be competitive again um and building this thing the right way right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to see depending on what k looks like right what where are they at in the mixes for free agents right you know we even heard and we're going to talk about this later on in the show aaron Rodgers saying green bay is not a destination mm-hmm. for people to come to it's just not yeah so you need to use me being Aaron Rodgers to help lure some of these guys here to come play so we can win. Yeah. You know, Cade is going to have to be that kind of guy, right? Yeah. Where he balls out and he's rookie of the year and you're like, okay, we have a stud. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to help draw people to a place that most free agents don't yeah. want to come to. Yeah. I, I don't think that you're not going to get Kawhi or yeah. something crazy. Let me just put that I don't, I don't, on. I don't think he's going to have the draw power. Like a lot of people think he will. Yeah. And I, I just think basketball, you don't have the draw power in yeah. general. Clearly. Cause people keep going to the Knicks. So yeah. Well, people <laughs> go to the Knicks and you have, uh, you could say the exact same thing with Charlotte yep. with LaMelo. It's yep. look how well LaMelo played. He's rookie of the year right. and no one still wants to go there. <laughs> you know? So it's like the same thing here where yeah. like, even if Cade's rookie of the year averages, you know, 24 points a game or something. God, I hope so. 
uh, <laughs> as much as we hope so or whatever. Yeah, right. You're still looking at this team. You go, yeah. No one's outside of Jeremy Grant in the starting lineup projectively is over the age of like 22. Yeah. Everyone's under that, so yeah. it's like a work a young team. Mm-hmm. And if you're a guy like. Zach Levine or something, you're like, yeah. I want to win something yeah, right. soon. If you're Bradley, yeah. like anyone that is going to be leaving, trying to go find somewhere to go kind of right. thing, you're, you're like, leave you're one like, rebuilding situation to come to another go one. Go to one, another yeah. one that's like on the cusp of getting good, but you still have to wait two or three years before you're probably even relatively competitive for that, like yeah. championship, yeah, conference, right. yeah. title area-ish. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think it's going to be like, you're going to, he's probably going to have to play through his rookie contract basically without... Yeah. Any more uh, immediate big help? Complimentary stuff. Yeah, I'll yeah. say, but unless Shadiq Bay or some of these guys really start to come yeah. into their, which they very well could, right? Yeah. But like coming from a yeah. outsider perspective, yeah. bringing talent in, I like to to make it like short and sweet. I don't think if you look at the top like fifty players in the NBA, yeah, I don't think they pull any of them with yeah. just Cade's pulling power. No, like no, with no, the no. next I, four years, I think years. it's the allure of everything, right? I think yeah. it's, I think it's okay. Cade is here. He's the He's the guy, right? Yeah. Okay, now we've got Shadiq, our 3 and D. Killian's our facilitator, right? You've got some guys that are in between that. Isaiah Stewart's willing to work down low and do some of the things that maybe you don't want to. By that point, I don't know if Jeremy Green will even be here. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, okay, I can come in as a veteran guy, get paid top dollar, and kind of help bring this team over the top, yeah. right? You know, um, and I think the Pistons, weirdly enough, you know, are, are kind of getting to a point where they're going to be competitive again at the right time because yes. you're going to see some of these teams that are up at it right now, the Lakers and, you know, even teams like Golden State, um, you know, the Bucks are probably an exception to the rule, but a lot of these teams that are kind of in that competitive mode right now are older teams. Mm-hmm. You know, the Clippers are older. LeBron is 36. Two years starting to be 38. Like, that's a, you know... That's a, <laughs> I mean, 38 LeBron James, I'm sure he's still going to be great if he's still playing or whatever. Yeah. But the point is, is that you're going to be coming into a time where you have an up, young, healthy, up-and-coming team that is going to be ready to go when you're five, six, seven, eight deep with mm-hmm. talent. You're going to be hard to stop, hopefully. Yes. So it's, it's, a, it's a good time to, to be competing with the Bucks of the world. I was going to say, I think, I think you could have some fun series with the Bucks if everything goes right. Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's extremely exciting. Um, let's obviously talk about the other two couple picks here, too, that this has made. Isaiah Livers coming here. I was extremely excited to see One that. One we predicted last week. Yep. Yeah, we were definitely on that. Uh, Luca Garza from Iowa, National Player of the Year last year. He was the other second-round pick, and Dervidius, or some mm-hmm. seven-foot-one behemoth from Florida State, mm-hmm. was their third second-round pick. Um, thoughts on those guys, and then we'll hit the trade real quick, uh, both the Plumlee and the Westbrook trade. Yeah, um, Isaiah Livers is great uh, from watching all the Michigan games, it, which is weird because Franz Wagner went eighth, and I thought right. Livers was like the slightly better player through. If yeah. not any, if anything else, they were equal. He was more consistent, but like opinion. he was more consistent and yeah. and whatnot. So um, I like the value of the pick at forty seven. Yeah. I think it was at yeah. or forty six or something. Yeah. I feel like. Um, I like the value there. Luca Garza, I guess you can't really go around with the national player of the year. Um, I think he's going to need a lot of time. I think he, he gives me like the Hunter Dickinson vibe where he's not super athletic yeah. and he lacks They're the defensive side. Uh, yeah. Um, but if struggle he, early on. I think, I think he could play well against teams like the Magic that don't have great interior mm-hmm. players mm-hmm. but he's there he's never gonna i don't think get to a point where like imp- he's not he's gonna g- be the dominant force he was at iowa yeah it's not it's not his ceiling. yeah it's just not where he's at no. and then i know very little about the florida state kid i yeah. just know he's seven one behemoth yeah so 
Uh, those two are going to be in the G League at the very least, mm-hmm. falling out for a couple years. <laughs> well, so. Can we talk real quick a little bit about this summer league team that the Pistons are going to have? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be all their starters basically like, playing down and be like, oh, well, all right, well, this is going to be okay. It's mm-hmm. going to be really funny to see all these guys playing because you're like, wow, we're going to have a really good summer league team probably. Yeah. They're all playing we're going to have the greatest NBA summer league minutes, team of all right? time. That's yeah. funny. Um, you know, you're going to have some big names, too, like I said, in on your G League team. Whether I don't know if Livers is going to be ready necessarily – from the onset of yeah. the season or not. Um, either way, I'm fine with it. I would but, be shocked if he got the other two-way contract. Yeah, right, to kind of come back and forth as needed. Um, but, yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I'm, I really like what they did in the second round. Um, Troy Weaver made in a comment at their introductory press conference where he said, you can, and I, and I love this, this quote. I thought it was really indicative of how Troy Weaver thinks and how their process of evaluating talent is. Where He said, you can debate the pick but you can't debate the person. And I thought that was really indicative of what Troy Weaver is as a person uh, and as an Italian evaluator where he, he said, listen, you may disagree with the talent that they may have on the court, but the one thing you're never going to be able to argue with is the kind of quality people that these guys are. He brought in, you look at every one of these guys. I'm, I'm going to take the seven-foot giant out of Florida State out of there for a second, but like um, – because we have so much familiarity with Livers and Garza being in the Big Ten, you took three guys where they're all highly, highly motivated, high character, high effort guys, right? They are willing to do the little things, right, mm-hmm. for their team. And that's something I think is a trait among pretty much everybody that Troy Weaver has brought in, draft-wise especially, right, where you go, okay, Isaiah Stewart is a guy, he's not the tallest, but he is going to outwork everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Killian Hayes is a guy who's been known to be a, a great teammate. Shadiq Bey, like everybody he's brought in is kind of fit that same mold. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at guys going forward in this regime, you know, they're looking at guys that already have a high floor, mm-hmm. and they're also looking at guys that have high character and mm-hmm. are the guys that are just willing to, the ones that are going to be willingly play defense, I think is really the, the, the crux of it. Yeah. So, just something to take a, take a look at. All right, let's talk about the Plumlee trade first before we get to the, the Lakers one. So, the, the Pistons trade Mason Plumlee and the 37th overall pick to get to the Hornets for the 57th overall pick. They dropped 20 spots. They dumped the salary of about $8 million per year of Mason Plumlee. Uh, I think they've got around 16.9 before they hit the, the luxury tax cap or whatever the Pistons do. So, plenty of cap space to do whatever they want in free agency. Um, thoughts on the trade, getting rid of Plumlee. They, that was the one move last year I remember we talked about. I go, I don't understand why the hell Mason Plumlee got three years, $28 million or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on, on the move just to get the, the salary dump off the books. And maybe do you have an idea of what they're going to do in free agency at all as it opens up this week? Well, I, get, I guess reports are coming out right now yeah. about some of the big guys they're going to try to go for. So okay. they gave out uh, Mason Plumlee for that, and they're looking at guys like Norris Noel or Kelly Olenek. To oh. fill that center spot, which isn't great, yeah. but I also wouldn't mind a Kelly Olynyk like one year short term yeah. contract because yeah. he could stretch. He's yeah, got he the stretch the ball and yep. he's got the three ball. Yep. So if you want to open the court up for Cade to drive and kick a little bit, I think that would be perfectly good for Once them. Once again, another high effort guy, not the most athletic dude, obviously coming yeah. in, but he can play you some good minutes. Mm-hmm. And once again, veteran leadership on the floor with a very young starting yeah, five. So, so I would be, I'd be very okay with the. I Kelly would be, mu- I'd be much be, I would be much happier with the Olenek one than I think the Noel. Yeah. I thought you said 
Nerland's Noel, not Norris Noel. Mm-hmm. So I was I was a little more I was like Nerland's okay. That's not the worst thing in the world, but I think yeah. he's in Dallas still. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think those are um, those are the two guys that you're looking at for the center spot. So yeah. um, it will be. I, I, I way more want Olenek, like you said, but mm-hmm. those are kind of what you want to fill um, the center role with. What oh, is Nerland's so, Noel? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not okay. I thought you said Norris. For no. Some oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, either one is I, I think would be fine. It's just once again we don't want to get into a situation this off season mm-hmm. where they're committing long term to people. Yeah. It's next year when Blake Griffin's massive contract. Yeah, his thirty is million off. is off. Yeah. Right, which was the smart move. Right, you're not going to be a championship contender this year anyway. Let's take the hit now. Yeah. And, and roll Agreed. with it. You know, so, so. Um, so yeah, so that's those are the two guys that if yeah. they sign the next couple of days, don't be shocked. Yeah, that which is fine. I think that I, I love the fact when you see these kinds of things, though, where it's a very targeted thing. Like you knew last year, okay, Okafor was on their radar, right? Mm-hmm. You knew that Plumley and Jeremy Grant were immediately like, nope, these are the guys we're going to go get. Here's the role they're going to play. Here's what the vision is. Yeah. It's it's very direct and very you know. It's, I I I think it's it's very precise. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm digging it. Uh, let's talk about the other big trade though. Uh, Russell Westbrook going to the LA Lakers to pair up with Anthony Davis and Lebron. Um, in return, the Washington Wizards get the whole team of the LA Lakers. So they get Montrez Harrell, they get Kyle Kuzma, Cantavius, Caldwell Pope, and that first round pick of the draft uh, last Thursday. I think it was 22nd overall, which was actually the pick. Uh, I think the Lakers get back a second rounder or something they like that. They get two second rounders within the next like couple years. 2024 or and 2028, I think, yeah. are the two, which is hilarious that we're trading into 2028, but that's funny. Um, and, and obviously, Russell Westbrook. Funny enough, did you know that Russell Westbrook is going to be the highest paid Laker this year? I do know that now. <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. He's beating LeBron out by like $3 million. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah, he's beating Anthony Davis by like $10 million. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, yeah, Mike. Yeah, um, that was fun. Thoughts on the trade? Because you've got three guys on your roster right now. Yeah, there's actually, yeah, there's, there's actually five people I on know, the roster. I... But like saying that doesn't make it any better, really. Oh, um, so good. I see. I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know, we talked about. Can this I? Can I? Can I? Can I have any optimism? And I can. You can. You absolutely. And can. I think that I think that the the parts of the optimism I have. Is and this is what so like three years ago, yeah, there was the rumor that Russ Westbrook was maybe coming to the uh, Detroit, yeah. and you were like, Oh, heck no, never want him, right? And I brought up this argument to yeah. you, and you and, and you swayed me, and I swayed your mind on it. And this is the argument I have to keep telling myself that I'd be yeah. okay with, yeah, is through the regular season, especially with the 30 going to be seven year old LeBron James, there Jeez. he's not going to be able to play all 82 games. And no. Anthony Davis, who knows if he's going to be there for he all won't, just based on Anthony Davis's track record, yeah. So one thing you know about Russell Westbrook is he's, he's he will be there he's all available. 82 games and he's going to get you 15 to 20 with 10 rebounds and 11 assists. Yep. That is what he will give you every single night. Yep. And when you know that you're going to get that every single night, whether now he can't shoot very well, nearly at all. Westbrook for three. No. Break. <laughs> but through the regular season, when you really need him to kind of carry the load and help you get a top four or five seed, I think that's when he's going to be the most valuable there. Yep. Now, in the now the thing that kind of worries me, not really in the finals who I project that they're going to play, but yep. through the course of the playoffs, right. um, he scares me because he doesn't shoot well, and LeBron's going to have to LeBron and AD is going to have to carry the load. 
and I'm very worried. Now, they're going to be relatively more healthy because Westbrook's going to carry that heavy load yep. through the regular season, yep. but it still scares me the, the worry about them. Let, let me ask you this, though, because this was something that I was thinking about when they made the deal. Because on mm-hmm. paper, it's like, oh, okay, cool, another big three, blah, 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 yeah. right, whatever. Um, it, the, the circle goes round and round. But yeah. um, I think the thing that I am most concerned about, if I'm a Lakers fan, is just his lack of – Two things. His lack of efficiency on the offensive end, mm-hmm. right, from a shot taking. Because he takes a lot of shots. Yes. He does. He takes a lot of shots. Um, and then two, how is he – And I guess we can kind of look at when they were he was with Harden in Houston for that year and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. How are they – how are him and LeBron going to work together? Because LeBron has to have the – when he has the ball in his hands, from a passing standpoint, yeah. he's phenomenal. And so Westbrook – is the complete opposite of what you want to give LeBron James yeah. when it comes to playoff time because he's not a shooter. He yes. is not the guy to catch and shoot and hit a corner three. He needs to have the ball in his hands as well to be similarly effective. And LeBron is not the greatest shooter in the world either yeah. at this point. So it's like you got to have two guys. Neither one of them is really, quote-unquote, I would say deadly from yeah. mid to three-point range, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't know how that's going to work in, in times where it's like, hey, listen, we're down by eight with two minutes left. I, I mean, is it just my, LeBron take the ball and drive? Four my, see, see that's, that's the funny thing is yeah. my thing is um, it's going to be a lot of – now Kyrie is an exceptionally better shooter. Yes, But correct. when you look at that 2016 team, yeah. there was a lot of LeBron walks the ball up the court, gives it to Kyrie, and kind of just stands out. Yeah in right. no man's land and Kyrie does his ISO stuff. Yeah. And I think you'll see a lot of that where yeah. they almost take turns yeah. doing the ISO ball right. where like LeBron one, one play will drive in and right. kick to whoever Marcus yeah. saw and he shoots or drives yeah, and finishes. Marcus That's your favorite player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like gumpy little guy. And then, but then the next Little. play, he he gives the ball to Russell Westbrook, and he does the same thing when LeBron yeah. can kind of – it's almost like yeah. you, you're you on a play, off a play kind yeah. of deal. So that's kind of how I look at how that's going to work, which is yeah. why I'm like I don't think it will be awful, and I think they actually match up well against the Nets, who are the team that's probably the most to beat yeah, if you sure. want to win yeah. a championship. Absolutely. Um, the three-to-three, three, yep. like star-to-star. Star, oh, I think I think I think the Lakers yeah. definitely exceed – from well, a the Anthony start. Davis is the wild card for that. Yeah, because Anthony Davis, you can't, no guard, can guard you can't guard him, and he can guard KD, who is yeah. your best, their yeah, player, best player, best player. For sure. yeah. um, but uh, the road game there, like the Warriors of the world and stuff, is where I'm very concerned about because yeah. it's going to be hard to a guard. A lot of shooting. And that, a lot and of shooting. Thing, right? and, that's the, and that's the key, right, is if you play a hot team. Like when Lakers went against the Suns this year, right, the Suns, like Devin Booker couldn't miss. Like yeah. it was just – there was nothing you could do. It mm-hmm. just was going to happen regardless, right? Yeah. And we've seen stretches from teams like that all across, right? Like, you've seen times where it's like, LeBron, you just can't miss. There's mm-hmm. just times where somebody is just unstoppable. So, you know, when they go up against that kind of thing, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see how they play it. I'm interested to see if Frank Vogel lasts um, just because he looked confused as I'll get up last year. Yeah. I'm also very interested um, – to see the rest of the squad because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you got these three guys, um, you know, the Caruso's of the world. Are they going to come back? For I, 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 I was going to say, I think the competitive advantage you could get yeah. is you could maybe find a lot of people that are like ring chasing for just yeah, that one. For sure. And they take vet minimums. Yeah. Because they're like, all right, you have these three yeah. guys. If you add me, like I right. heard like a DeMar DeRozan out there yeah. was like, I would take 
a lot less money to be a third or fourth option there to help them win a title so I can get my ring kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of guys like that. They need shooters. They need shooters. Yeah, I agree. But I think there are a lot of guys like that out there who are, like, good players that are like, I'll take a vet's minimum for this one year to, like, try to win something. You know, players like Seth Curry, guys like that would, I think, really help this Lakers team because – they don't have money from them. No, of course not, right? That's what I'm saying. Like that's the, they're taking a big risk here yeah. in bringing him in to think, okay, he's going to be available. I think honestly, more than anything, look, let's take their games out for a second. I think the number one reason why they made this deal was because they feel like if nothing else, LeBron should have a second option. In the playoffs, if Anthony Davis goes down again, I think that's also. I think like that's a the, big that's, deciding. That's, that's the big thing. It's availability. Right. I think when you look at the regular season too, where AD was hurt and then LeBron right. had the yeah. he got his leg yeah. ran into, mm-hmm. and they're like we're out of people. You know, Russell Westbrook right. is going to be so there. If West gets hurt this year, you're like, all right, well, clearly there's something going on. Yeah, <laughs> like if Westbrook gets hurt, like, yeah, oh, you're dead. I yeah, don't know yeah, like everyone. But I do hurt. think that is definitely something where they're is like, at least have one star guy there that can like run the court. Because we've talked about it. You know, like earlier in the year, it was like when AD and LeBron were on the court together in that playoff series against Sun, they were dominant, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, if, if if LeBron at this point in his career is no longer able to carry the load by himself, and I think we can both agree that's not the point yeah. at this point, right? He just can't. So because of that, you need, he needs to have a viable second yeah. option. And while his efficiency maybe isn't the greatest, Westbrook is a legitimate second option yeah. for him. Yeah, and one other thing to add is something that LeBron's never had in his career, really, even when Kyrie was there, yeah. is I feel like with this— A facilitating point guard? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, well, Kyrie he, don't pass. No, well, he does not pass. <laughs> but I think LeBron can actually leave the court for yes. multiple minutes yep. and trust Westbrook and AD out there yep. to not yeah. blow a 10-point lead This, this or is going to be, from, a, from a, uh, a surrounding cast standpoint, when you want to talk about star players, this will be similar to his Wade and Bosch years. Yes. Because that's what's going to Yeah, he can him, leave right? the court and yeah. trust like a yeah. Wade and Bosch yeah. or a Westbrook and AD really to— Wade really made the world go round for that Heat team, yeah. right? And so— like he's gonna need. West yeah, LeBron Ford. just gave you yeah. the thirty-two, ten, yeah, and ten. Yeah, LeBron to go over just the top. did his thing. Yeah, but Wade was the one that kind of was like the glue to keep it all together. And yeah. I think that's what Westbrook is gonna have to do. Is him and Anthony Davis are gonna need to kind of be in sync with what they do, and LeBron's just gonna go. I'm just gonna fill in where you need it to. Yeah. and get us over yeah, the top. I that's exactly right. I think it's like, yeah. oh, you need me to shoot well today. I, I, I'll yeah, do right. that. Yeah. I can drive you need me to, to be points. Ball dominant today. You you having an off night? I got you. Yeah, and I can. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting for sure. I think it's going to be fun. We've heard Kawhi now is probably going to opt in, so he's probably going to be staying with L.A. I'm interested to see what L.A. is going to – the Clippers yeah. are going to do to kind of respond to that. Well, that's um, what I mean. Now, now you're looking at teams in the West, though, and you go, okay, so when we were talking about matchups last year, and it's like yeah. AD and LeBron, but after that you don't have to worry that much. Yeah. Now it's like if you're Kawhi, it's like, okay, so Kawhi gets – AD, yeah, and then you got Paul George on LeBron, but now who's on Westbrook? Like that now that's the that third one layer. Is, that's the, that, and that's where it comes into. You're just gonna sit there and you're just gonna hope he shoots. Yeah, you're just gonna give. You're gonna him Ben Simmons all the space. All the, you're gonna have to yeah. right, and I think that's what you're gonna have to do is is you're just gonna have to let him say shoot him to death. And that's the thing. I think teams in the West that are gonna be competing in that playoff spots are gonna have to go. We're gonna have to live and die with Westbrook making the three. Yeah, that that's just the reality of the situation. So I think you're right in that assessment with a team against the Warriors who is projected to be better this year. Where it's like, listen, we're gonna like the Warriors are gonna go. Steph is gonna go on Westbrook. Yep. And he's just going to let him shoot. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. Yeah. And Westbrook's just going to have to convert, unfortunately. So yep. it's going to be interesting. It's exciting. Um, you know, it, 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 
you know, the Lakers get a star player. Shocker, I guess. It's breaking news. You know, it never happens, you know. But no. all good, all good. You know, all is well that ends well. So it's going to be an exciting NBA season like it is every year, it feels like. I'm excited for free agency. Obviously, as some of the moves come through next week, we'll obviously break those down as mm-hmm. well, um, especially when it comes to your Detroit Pistons. All right, let's shift focus here. Uh, let's talk Let's talk some wrestling here before we get into the NFL stuff. Um, Bray Wyatt, all of a sudden, he gone. Um, he's released, quote unquote, due to budget cuts. Read into that what you will. Nick yeah. Khan is trying to keep WWE's ledger as clean as possible. Um, he's the executive vice president, I think CFO of the company or something like that. So clearly Vince is giving him a lot of leeway on the business side of things. Um, I think we can both agree that Bray's fiend run is probably time to be done yes. for a, a minute here. I think they kind of really... It started out really great, had a lot of promise, and then they kind of ruined it mm-hmm. with a couple big things that they did wrong. Yeah. Uh, the Hell in a Cell thing against Seth Rollins did not help. Losing to Goldberg in 10 seconds killed him. Um, you know, And then everything he did with Orton for the last year has been rough. Um, but at the same time, it's weird because I know the fans are like, oh, he's going to go to AEW and he's going to be used so much better. Now, maybe from a win-loss standpoint, maybe. Um, but from a character development standpoint, I don't really know that AEW has much more to offer than WWE does in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to kind of be in that weird no-man's land where it's like, what do you do with yeah. Bray Wyatt? Give me your thoughts on that because yeah. I think it's a lot more complicated than just go to AEW. Yeah, I think it's tough. I do think because of how AEW structured over um, how WWE does it. Like if you give Bray Wyatt like way more, like 90% creative control, what he does, Mm -hmm. I think he could find a way to get stuff going and get like be entertained and do his thing. But I do think that there comes a time where like, like I I don't think there's so much more talent that AEW can get, especially with (laughs) Brian and punk coming in. Like you have too many guys. Yeah. That. yeah, that May card is probably the best like yeah. ever. Well, that's but thing. like it's now like, it's okay. like yeah. right. you gotta you gotta find a way to maneuver all these people, and you have nice storylines going in all out. But right. it's like okay, so what's Cody gonna do now? What's right. this guy gonna do? What's and, Andrade gonna like? You have also, so many guys that you want to move around. That. And also too, you, and I'm gonna keep coming back to this for AW because I think this is one of the fundamental reasons why WCW failed mm-hmm. is that WCW was unable to develop. And promote and like really take to the next level their own talent. Mm-hmm. Like that was such a big issue for them. Like you talk about some of the guys that came over from WWE, the Chris Jericho's, the Rey Mysterio's, the Eddie Guerrero's, Chris Benoit's, whoever. Those guys became main event Hall of Fame talent guys in mm-hmm. WWE because WCW did not know what to do with them. Outside of Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page, I'll give you Booker T too. There is not a lot of guys from a main event scene that WCW was able to develop from mm-hmm. the bottom and build them into true mega stars. AEW is doing a solid job of that currently, mm-hmm. but I don't want them to then get into this mode of, oh, there's a former main eventer for WWE that's out there. Well, let's just bring him in to bring him in because mm-hmm. you're going to stifle some of the really good work you're doing yes. with some of your guys that you need to be growing as your own guys. You are an AW guy. The MJFs of the world need you can stay on their ascent and not be kind of delayed mm-hmm. because of you're bringing in the Bray Wyatt's and the Andrade's of the world. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. 
Uh, I think Rampage is going to help a lot with that because I think you're going to be able to move a lot of people. Second on show is a, definitely going to alleviate yeah. some of the clogging that you're having in AEW yeah. right now. Yeah, they they almost like need to make a rule that you they can't double up on. Yeah. No kidding. Um, on yeah. like on like, like Kenny can't be on both or like right. if you wrestle on on Dynamite you can't wrestle on Rampage in the yeah. same week because then you like if you can expose like if you can have great like. Darby Allen Miro matches yeah, on sure. Rampage or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then that it just adds. And we always said, I think you should bring the six mans in. I think. Um, I think, I think it's about to. time. You look at all the factions in AEW right now. Yeah, there is a lot, and yeah. I like factions a lot. Like I, I think it, it's easy booking number one just to it have views yeah. for sure. Um, but it's also I think it's fun because you're like, oh, okay, who's gonna jump over here? And yeah. New Japan lives off factions. Yes, like a, almost exclusively. Um, and WWE runs hot and cold depending on the day, but. Um, they have a ton of factions. So I think in their mind, as opposed to Ring of Honor where the six-man titles make no sense to have, quite frankly, mm-hmm. AEW is the perfect place for six-man tag titles. Yes, because you can just, in it, like, you have MGF and FTR well, should be, like, the first ones. And then, the show, too. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to have a six-man tag match, and they're the fourth-ranked ta- six-man tag, and yeah. they're the third-ranked, right? So you now get six people on the card rather than four for a tag or yeah. a thing. It just, it helps get everybody more yeah, exposure. And when, and when you have, say, not eight to nine matches on a pay-per-view, and then yep. now five of them are championship matches, yes. and now you have your other matches. Especially because you only got four of them. Yeah, and, yep. and then your other four, three, yep. four matches are Cody, Malachi, Black, yep. Pac, and Andrade or something, yep. and you go, mm-hmm. okay, so where's your miss on this card? Because yep. If even if it's a match you don't care about, it's a championship yeah. match, Correct. and then you have another side yep. four matches that uh-huh. are real. Like other like WWE has like nineteen championships, yep. and it's weird because like on SummerSlam, like four of them are defended. I feel right. like, yep. and I'm like, you have so many like yeah. just put a random Raw tag match out there, yep. and it's a tag title yeah, match, so, so it like, means right, something. Titles are on the line. Yeah, so yep. it means something. Absolutely. I feel like, but like they never decide to do that. They just like throw yep. random people out there. It feels like sometimes. Correct, so. and that and, and that is the and that is the number one thing, right? It is making people feel important and making the fans invested into these characters, right? Yeah. Now, Bray Wyatt, I think, would be fine in AEW. However, yeah. I just don't think that what slot is he going to fill? He can't be part of the Dark Order, ladies and gentlemen. Dark Order are full-on baby faces and kind of have a comedic aspect to them a little bit now, right? Like, they are full-on babies. And um, with Hangman leading that charge, I think it's a good mix, actually. I think they've done a really nice job of pivoting away from Brody in, into Hangman. So I think they've done a really nice job there. Um, you know, it, he's going to fill that Darby Allen spot. Well, then you're killing one of your top three or four homegrown talent that you have, and you're, you know, the Sting pairing, right, it's kind of doing what Bray Wyatt does from, a, you know, like the vignette strong, heavy story, heavy cinematic type of stuff. You know, and I don't think necessarily he's phenomenal in the ring either. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can just go out there and be a technical whiz. I just don't necessarily know if Ray Wyatt fits in AEW the the same way as some of these like Andrade and Malachi Black fit because they can go. They are legitimate yeah. top guys in the ring. Punk and Brian are going to fit because they are top guys I, I, in yeah, the ring. AEW for me is is kind of like uh, a lesser. But like Less more mainstream style of wrestling, yes. where they they they're very like wrestling oriented. It's like NXT. It's yes. really what it Correct. is. It's, it's, what, yeah, it's, it's NXT. You from, have to have good matches. Yeah, you have to have good matches to get over because yep. you can't do like WWE and have these like average matches and really kind of go story based because mm-hmm. people are people just want to see Kenny and Hangman have right. a thirty minute just right. classic in the ring. And like, at that's some what people point, want. they will have to develop their story. To, 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can see certain guys, the Cody's and the Jericho's of the world are able to have those marquee matches against guys that are less than because they put so much it's emphasis on the story, story, right? Yeah. So that's what WWE is all about story. That's what they've always been about, right? Yeah. It's it's the, it's their bread and butter and and that's fine. But you're right, right? So AEW, you, there has to be a sense uh, there is a sense I think from a fan base of you have to be able to work. Mm-hmm. You have to be a guy that can legitimately go for 12 minutes and I go, that was a solid freaking match, yes. right? And so there, there is a little bit of that as well. Honestly, I know some people will probably be upset by this, but Bray Wyatt's best spot is WWE. Yeah. I think the best thing for Bray Wyatt is to go away and then come back yeah. in six months or a year and and have some, even if it's the same shtick, fine. I, well, actually, I think I think he'd be like phenomenal and like impact, but like yeah, then I'm Madonna, talking about yeah, like, like I don't, I just but don't like wanna, in a mainstream, I don't want to do that to him. Yeah, in a mainstream <laughs> spot, put yeah. him in WWE. I, yeah. I think his best spot is WWE. His yeah. he his strength is storytelling. Yes, his strength is building to a match that we both know is not going to be the greatest. Like his build to Orton versus him at Mania for the title was a great build. The match yeah. sucked, yeah. but the build was good. And yeah. I think that's, once again, don't be shocked to see him back at yeah. some point. I do think this is a, um, I think it was a swift move because I don't think they had anything to do with, they didn't have mm-hmm. know what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. I think they booked themselves like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, I think he'll be back. Mm-hmm. I just, that's just how it is. They all, they all come back at some point, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, I do want to talk about Dynamite a little bit though. The Nick Gage, Chris Jericho, Deathmatch thing. I'm really deal. I'm really digging the whole trials of Jericho, whatever the hell they're calling it. Um, I will say the third trial. Yeah. Like, like the first one. The, the, what was, the what was gimmicky it? was well. The gimmick is rough. Yeah. Well, no. Story. So like the what was the first one? Um, first one was just you had to beat you. Uh, you right. had to beat the chairman, uh, numbnuts from. Canada. Oh yeah, Sean Spears. Right, yeah. but he so, could use a chair. Jericho yeah. Could. Yeah. So that was fine. And then they announced Nick Cage. I said, oh, that's like a big deal. Like yeah. Nick Cage is huge on it. Yeah. And then they announced um, who, who, who yeah. yeah. And he was one where I said, I have no idea who you really? are. Really? You didn't know who Hoobie was, huh? No. Well, it's it's they're <laughs> they're relying upon the the fa- twofold. Number one, Hoobie, former WCW Cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Um, they had some feuds. In, he's the one who beat Hoobie to take his mask off. Yeah, okay. So that was a big deal at the yeah. time in WCW. Um, and so they had a, quite a bit feud. What I don't like about it is that you got to win a move with a top rope maneuver. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, that's a that's a long way to get. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's like that's almost like, well, what if like you go from deathmatch to this? I'm like, yeah, like know. like the stages like don't seem <laughs> yeah. the right. Yeah. But we're, we're escalating in a weird way. Well, that's what I mean. Like I thought Nick Cage would be like the last, last one, one, right? Where it's but, like, oh, but also because like Nick Cage is not gonna be around no. in three weeks because no. he's gonna be doing his GCW stuff. So yeah. like obviously they he can also only... doesn't really belong in a. Once again, as we just said, you have to be able to work. And Nick Cage is is not a technician yeah. in the ring by yeah he's just i'll just saw your face off and that's fine and, <laughs> and you know and we're going to talk about that in a second you know but um talk to me though a little bit about how you felt about this match you know we saw we heard about the dominoes thing and that's whatever that's just <laughs> funny more than anything but um do you enjoy that style at all yeah. um for me it's it's kind of hit or miss i do feel like at times we're like it's when it's a one-off like this yeah it's, it's right now at least you know, it's it's like, oh wow, they really they really took it to the yeah. absolute extreme here. Um, I actually went and purchased a GCW show to kind of get 
familiar a little bit more with the product and uh, we may actually be even going to a show here in a couple of weeks, but you know, that, that deathmatch thing is very controversial. A lot of the old timey guys don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Some fans are like, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, I don't mind it every once in a while, but I don't think I could ever live off of it. Like every single show, they've got two death matches. I don't know if I can yeah, do that. I, yeah, I don't necessarily love the deathmatch yeah. idea. I'm very like strong style, like New Japan yeah, stuff. Like I that's, prefer just that's, a technical ability. Yeah, like, like that's that's what I would prefer. My favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. So if I if I yeah. can't appreciate a good Matt wrestling contest, yeah. I don't well, know. Well, not even like Matt. I mean, like <laughs> my favorite is probably Will Osprey and or like Kenny. Yeah. And those guys, you know, they but do they aerial, have, but, but they have. But they are good, solid Rang technicians. Yeah, they exactly. Put on a they put on like good matches. Story. Yep. Like they're like Nick Cage is the kind of guy who just like saws your face off, and it's like fun like once in a while, like you said. Yeah. But like I'm yeah. not I'm not a big fan. Like if this was like an every week thing where you had like one off death match every week, I'd be like, yeah, I could probably just skip that most weeks. Yeah. Because here's the thing, you know, you're not getting real wrestling. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna say that with air quotes. I get it. Wrestling's fake. Whatever. Um. But at the same time, I do think it's a bit overkill at times, and I do think it's it, – what do you make of the report that – and this could be just Meltzer kind of freestyling a little bit here, so we're going to take this with a grain of salt. But, like, I don't necessarily know because there was a report out there that Meltzer said that based on the ratings and how things happen, AEW may lean to do more of these matches in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if that's the way they want to go. I feel it's a complete departure of what's – drawing fans in which mm-hmm. is the strong style you know action like yeah. solid contest bell to bell contests um that's really getting them where they're at today i don't really necessarily think that this is where they need to go no i don't think draw so. things yeah. in like, yeah no i don't i, don't I really would hope that this is more of a one-off mm-hmm. than it is a once every three four months thing because i don't yeah. think that really helps you yeah because it's it's such a small you can get intensity without having light tubes and glass. It's yeah. just, it's I, just I'll just put it this way. I would much rather, no matter who it is, I would take Kenny versus Pac and, Dar- or, uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy and or Kenny and Christian Cage even mm-hmm. over Kenny and John Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. Like, like I just prefer the better wrestling than, uh, yep. than like adding. Even if they're two good wrestlers yeah, in a barbed you know, wire death you know explosion match, and is. it feels. And if you watch these death matches, it's one of my biggest complaints. I mean, first off, props to them. It's insane. Yeah. I could never do it. You're yeah. obviously a tougher man than I. Um, but the one thing that I do find a little bit irritating is like when they're trying to set up spots. It takes forever. It's yeah. very much. All right, we're gonna go through this pane of glass, and then we're gonna go over here, and then we're gonna go to here, and then we're gonna go through this thing, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna use some light tube thing over here. Like it's very like it, a it gives B, me like C not very well done ladder matches. Yeah, like I watch like yeah. a lot of like stuff from, like 2009-10. They do a whole bunch of ladder matches, but it's like okay, we're gonna set this ladder up. And like a half hour later, they go through it or something. Yeah. But it's like, I'm going to set this up. We got to put this ladder over here. Yep. Then we're going to go over here and set this table up yep. and like TLC or something. And then we're going to go over here. Mm-hmm. And then in like 20 minutes, okay, he falls through that. Then another right. guy's going to go through this ladder and another yep. guy's going to. But like it takes like 20, like it takes yep. a good 10 minutes for the heel to set up yep. everything just yep. for like everyone to go through it eventually. That's the thing I, I hate with the death match. Like yep. you said, is like. Like, yeah, at one point they had a security for, uh, I watched this GCW show, the one Matt Cardona won yeah. the title, and 
at one point, uh, Gage is setting up a two-pane glass thing on two chairs. So a security guy goes in and actually helps him set it up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, like, come on. Like, we got to have some sort of efficiency to be doing this. Yeah. And I, I, it's scary, man. Like, some of that stuff, like, whew, it is yeah. – it is. That's a bit that's, that's one thing is, could you imagine like being on the top rope with like thumbtacks in the middle of the ring and knowing you're about to get superplexed and be like, all right, and let's brace what, myself and for this. I think that's why even when WWE did this kind of stuff, right? Not because of the glass and that kind of thing, but yeah. when they did the, uh, you know, the thumbtacks and stuff, it, it was, I almost feel like it was just enough to where you got it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it wasn't a one, it wasn't a smackdown mm-hmm. right it was a okay like all right it's mick versus taker hell in a cell like there was a moment there where you're mm-hmm. like okay they they they're going to do something special here yeah it's edge mick foley wrestlemania we're going to elevate edge to another level yeah. and we're going to give mick his moment like yeah. i just think that there is a when they do these things where they take it to the nth extreme yeah. there is a positive coming from it where this is more of a one-off i mean props to jericho by the way i tweeted this out i mean goddamn what a phenomenal i think yeah my thing is i think that's i think you could you can call the one we can do pros and cons of monthly pay-per-views to to quarterly pay-per-views that's the one con i would have is i would like all these labors Mm -hmm. and now arguably fight for the fallen air quotes was like a special dynamite is a a special dynamite kind Uh of thing but it's still a dynamite at the end of the day more of these and they do regular yeah i know but like if they had the monthly pay-per-view each labor would have been on a on a on a on a Mm pay-per-view which led to all out being their big show you know so i think that's one problem that good good writing could get you to this, yep. but it's it just is interesting. What it is. Just an interesting take. Um, all right, let's just focus here a little bit uh, as we go to uh, you know the NFL side. First off, we talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers last week and the, the rumors made retiring. Turns correct. out, and he's back, unfortunately, for um, one year. For one year. So let's talk about that though. Um, he's back. He goes and cuts a scathing promo because that's all it was, was a freaking promo, right? And he delivers it in this like, you know, the Green Bay Packers, man. Um, and he goes out and he just basically says, listen, you, you treat your veterans like crap. You force them out the door with nothing but a slap on the ass and a good job. Oh. Um, you, you forced, you know, and you're unwilling to use me as a, as a tool to recruit better players here. You're unwilling to spend when you needed to in free agency um, and you've been unwilling to budge and to do things to help me, your mm-hmm. best player, the franchise get us to where we need to go. And you're unwilling to even have me in the conversation mm-hmm. about what we're willing to do. Um, thoughts on the, on the press conference. Um, do you think he's a Packer all this year? Or do you think they still wind up still trying to trade him somehow? Or is this truly their last chance before no, he's gone? I think this is the last chance. I think they they talked about rest- like the restructure contract yeah. they have is yeah. basically like there's like void years after, so he's basically just done after yeah. this year, right? Uh, which is why the last dance thing was posted because this is literally the last dance for them. Yeah. Like, I think even if he wins a Super Bowl, yeah, I, I think he's out of here I would too. Agree with that. Like, I think yeah. no matter what, I think he's pretty much done in Green Bay after yeah. this year. So you got one last shot at it. So, do you think I mean, that they, I, I and mean, so at that point, he doesn't care. Like, say whatever yeah, you want because right. Green, oh, Green, yeah, sure. Green Bay just has to take yeah. it on the chin He's at this point. He's definitely like full sending it, right? Do you think 
that this is a conducive environment, though, to get what they're trying to get done. Because I would argue they're they're not the best team in the NFC still, roster-wise. Let's just say straight roster-wise. And then two, I don't necessarily know if they're a top two or three team in the NFC right now. Because I would argue that obviously Tampa's right there. And I think you have at least three teams in the NFC West that you can argue are better on paper than the Packers right now. I'll, I'll even take the Rams out of it for a second because they're a lot of expected to be good, but you have to see it. Yeah. The Niners are a very good football team, fully healthy. And Seattle has Russell Wilson, so they're negating each other to a certain aspect. Yeah. And I think they're built, especially offensively, better than Green Bay is right yeah. now. So I don't disagree. I mean, there is there's some legitimate opposition. Now, in the division, fine. Yeah, Green Bay's going to win the division. I'm not shocked. Color me shocked there. But at the same time... You know, I don't necessarily know what this is. I mean, like, they didn't do anything to help him. Again, like, okay, bringing back Aaron Jones is fine. And, yeah, they brought in Randall Cobb. Whoop-de-freaking-do. I don't, I, it doesn't seem – this the, the relationship doesn't seem conducive to winning a title yeah. because he's just saying screw it and he's going to do whatever. I'm sure he's going to be great. I think, I think this is going to be one of the most, like, competitive Aaron Rodgers yeah. you'll see. I think – like, does um, he want to win another one just to spite them and then he leaves? I, I think and this so. goes, I told you. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm out. Yeah, I think so. And I think here's the thing is I think that you're going to see a lot Crazy. of – if I was LaFleur, I would go – there's a lot of situations where I would go, what do you want? What do you want to do? Right. Like, if 100%. it comes down to a fourth and one, fourth and one yep. instead of you making the call, you go, Rodgers like, – and right. make it, like, audible. Be like, listen, we gave Rodgers the call there. Like yeah. you, I, I honestly, if I was LaFleur, if I was yeah. LaFleur, after press conferences, even on losses, I would go, we gave it to Rodgers. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to go for it, so we went for it. Yeah. And if you lose off of it, yeah. you kind of just yeah. like, you can just put the blame yeah, on the, him. The bridge is clearly burned. Yeah. So you might as well go, listen, we're letting you do you. Yeah. You live and die by what you, you do want to do. There. Yeah. So that's what I would do. And yeah. I think in Rodgers' face, he's like, if I get to choose everything I want to do, I think we have enough. Now, do I think he does? No. No. But do I th- does he th- do I yeah, think does that he, he have thinks, a belief into it? Yeah. I think he definitely believes that he's good enough with Devontae, Aaron Jones, Cobb, um, what's his side Tunyon, whatever, yep. and the de- and the good enough defense yep. with like one of the best corners in football in Jerry Alexander. Yep. And their yeah, good Preston pass rush. Smith, Preston Smith, Smith, and all those Kenny yep. Clark and all those guys. Like yep. I think he thinks we have enough to win. But I think he's like LaFleur on that fourth down in the playoffs was holding me back. Like I think he's just gonna go balls to the loss and we'll see. I think I'm, I think he's a second round exit, but Yeah. Yeah, I it's we'll it's see. gonna be really tough. I think he's gonna come out like a madman. I think he's gonna put up great numbers again. But he always does. That's the thing about it. It's yeah. and this is the thing that I always impair when it when we came when we did the Stafford talks for this for so many years, is that Look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He has only been to one Super Bowl. Now they won, right? Yep. And that was eleven years ago. He has been arguably the best quarterback in football every year since then, mm-hmm. give or take, right? Like I get we have like there's years where maybe statistically, but like you can argue any given day he's the best player on the field, and you're like, wow, he's only been to one, which even goes to show you somebody as transcendent as Rodgers is. You have to have more. You have to have help in the NFL. You mm-hmm. cannot do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is not doing it on his own. He's got the best tight end in football. He's got the fastest wide receiver in football. He's got the best offensive coach in football. There are things that are facilitating his greatness, mm-hmm. right? So, like, 
Ro- I think Rogers demands of help me so that I can help you. <laughs> I'm getting you to the NFC title game basically on a whim at times. And all I'm asking for is just can you get me one more wide receiver who's got an upside outside of Devontae Adams? Can you get me somebody to shake things up a little bit? Can you give me a safety blanket? Because you know Devontae Adams is going to miss three games this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's just a fact. You know what I mean? Can you get me something? Can you let me be involved and let me go get a guy that I think can take us over the top? Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me right now that Ryan Rodgers didn't want to go get Julio Jones? I mean, I mean, I don't know if they have the cap. Yeah. But like you mean like really yeah. him and Julio together shoot like you know it's just it's give crazy. you a legit chance right where where do you have the Packers right now in the NFC in the uh, NFC yeah like rankings uh, like full on we're gonna do a full ranking kind of as we towards the end of training camp just in case injuries and stuff kind of affect that a little bit but um you know right now going into week one where where are they for you because I think they're probably. NFC four, four or five overall like eighth. Eighth. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who do you who do you have ahead of the NFC? NFC. Right yeah. uh, Bucks are one. Yeah. Uh, give me a toss between Seahawks and 49ers at two and three. Yeah. And then Packers four. Packers four. Yeah. Okay. And then and I always say that because Cam Akers got hurt, so I don't know yeah. what the run game is going to be for the Rams. Yeah. If the if the Rams have a good running back, you could argue yeah. higher, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I think all three NFC West teams, not to get too off track, are definitely going to all have a little bit of like a chip on their shoulder. Like this is the year you need to get it done. Yeah. Like if you're, I would honestly say even Arizona, you kind of need to make playoffs and yeah. kind of make a little bit of a splash, or else you kind of need to figure it out. But like the Rams, you got the Stafford investment. You got you got two three years to get it done. The Niners, Jimmy G's last stand. Your defense mm-hmm. can be healthy. You should be back to form. And then Russ, you helped him a little bit in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought back Chris Carson. Defense is going to be okay, yeah. hopefully. Um, and you're, once again, you're kind of in a similar situation with Green Bay is where it's like you need to start winning. And you yeah. need to get to these NFC title games. You need to get to the Super Bowl. Even mm-hmm. don't win, you need to get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then the only teams in the AFC that I think are better than the Packers are Baltimore, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Buffalo. And then Cleveland – Team wise, probably, but even roster but like, roster is probably the most talented roster yeah, in the NFL. But we're we're really shooting at Aaron Rodgers versus Baker Mayfield, and that's yeah. not really a fair comparison. So that's why I give Packers the edge. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers played on Cleveland. I told you that. I think lose, I don't think game. they would lose a game. They wouldn't lose a game. I, I can't see it. I cannot see it. No, I and don't. he'd only throw the ball twenty times a game. That's sad part. Yeah, Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb would run for two hundred, <laughs> and then he would just oh throw darts to Odell and Jarvis, Jarvis Landry. Landry. Oh, and by the way, they've got uh, Austin Hooper and uh, and Joku. <laughs> yeah, and Taylor Gabriel, whatever oh the fast gosh, slot receiver. Yeah. And they have Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb gets oh, yeah, tired. So true. yeah, if he gets tired, and he has the best pass blocking offensive line in football. And then second is probably the Packers, but first is Cleveland. Yeah, it's gonna be the Lions this year, baby. Yeah, it's gonna happen. No, I'm telling you, it'll, oh. be the, it'll be the best. It'll be like a top ten run offense, probably. I think it'll be good line. pass. I think it'll be good pass blocking. I think it'll we'll be see. pretty good. Um, yeah, we will see. Jared Goff's gonna stand there back there forever and just be like throwing. Still darts. can't find anyone throwing, open. <laughs> throwing darts, baby. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the Jared Goff situation a little bit more as we get a little bit more into training camp as well, just to kind of revisit that because I do think it's important. It's gonna be the one storyline throughout the year that we're really gonna be focused on is. Is he the guy? Yeah, right. We, we, we joke about Tua being the checkdown king with Hawkinson there. Who's really gonna be the checkdown king? Hey, listen, Jared Goff. Yeah, that's fine. 
The difference is though is that he's gonna, Tua's going to have receivers who can get open. Yeah. He's just not throwing to them. I don't know if the Lions have guys that are going to be able. Hey, to Hey, Pyramid's open. fast. So so is Tyrell Williams. Yeah. They both run sub four four. Yeah, like it's going to be crazy. Yeah. I think I think the offense is going to be better than people expect it's going to be. I don't, but we'll see. Only because I think they're going to run a lot of two running back sets, and I think that's going to be hot. Yeah. But I, I digress. All right, let's talk this last thing though. Let's talk, let's talk some fantasy football here. Speaking of guy <laughs> of. Of completion percentages and touchdowns and stat padding and everything else that Dak Prescott does so well. Um, <laughs> um, let's talk some fantasy football. We're right on the cusp here. Training camp is fully underway. I think Lions are day four or five of training camp when you guys hear this. I think Monday is the first day in pads. So that'll be a good uh, yeah, thing to like read about as we go. I think I'm going to camp. I think the last day of training camp. I think is one the day I'm going. Um, so that'll be a fun take. For and sure. I will be at home waiting for my responses. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for uh, that first yeah, preseason game go, two Fridays. That was awesome. <laughs> um, but no, uh, training camp fully underway for pretty much everybody at this point. Um, you know, we're, we're you know you're getting the reports. The fever is upon us, right? I think NFL fever right now is at a high. Um, waiting for these first couple games. These preseason games are going to do good numbers for TV just because it's football again, right? Um, but, Mike, you know, as we go into the fantasy season, we did this last year a little bit, and we will be this year. Finally, I am hoping, barring technolo- technological issues, we're going to be having the I'm Always Right Sports podcast, fantasy football draft, full picks, commentary, the whole nine yards. We're hoping to have it here in a couple weeks. So I'm going to say it on the air so I hold myself to it. Because yeah. last year we recorded it, but we ran out of battery, and then I didn't do any voiceover work because I suck. So <laughs> because yeah. of that, um, we got some more technology. We got a second camera here now, so hopefully that'll be better yeah. this year. But anyway, um, Mike, let's just start off here with some philosophy before we kind of get into some rankings and stuff because okay. I have a tendency to take players. And I'm not even playing fantasy this year, but I have a, I have a tendency to take players that I like because I want to root for them, and that usually winds up me taking Matthew Stafford every year, and then he gets hurt, and then I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a tendency to take players that retire, so <laughs> yeah, I do have a tendency that it's really unfortunate that that's a tendency, but it is a tendency. Yes. <laughs> I said that earlier when we were off air, but I had to bring it up. Yeah, the show, uh, so Andrew just... Luck, I'll never forgive. Oh my gosh! Oh my! Uh. I forgive. I'll never forget. Oh goodness, I'm crying. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, in all seriousness, right? Running back, wide receiver. For the longest time, it was you have to take a running back first round, right? Like that was yes. the the carbon. Like you, if you knew, if you took a wide receiver, it was Calvin Johnson. That was really the only one. And then Jimmy Graham there for about. A two or three season stretch, which like the only two guys outside of that were the guys willing you would take outside of a running back position. Now that the league has really shifted to passing for a good chunk of teams, wide receiver has become almost equal, if not as surpassed the running back position after the top three or four guys. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts. You know, you don't got to reveal your draft strategy, obviously, because I'm sure people listening to the, that are in the league right now are be like, oh, writing <laughs> this stuff down, writing this stuff down. But um, for the listeners, though, who may be new to fantasy football or guys that are just looking to get out of the dumpster fire that, you know, in their league, you know, what are you looking at, you know, as a strength going into drafting, especially the first couple rounds? Because those are the guys you have to hit on. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the optimal, the number one optimal strategy, I think, when you're drafting is finding a running back that is 
competitive in both receiving and rushing. Okay. I think now this is I run full PPR, which is yep. point per reception. Yep. So that's um, not uncommon. So it was just uncommon. Should. I think most people probably do they probably full PPR. At this point, probably. Um. Yeah. So meaning. <laughs> Like you get running, points for yeah, catches. You get, as you, well. you get yeah. one point for a catch. Also, yep. you get one point for like ten yard every ten yep. rod, yards yep. rushing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the reason I say that is guys like Christian McCaffrey, guys yep. like um, Austin Eckler and stuff yep. like that, mm-hmm. who are very pass heavy. That yep. go a lot in the in the third down. DeAndre uh, Swift, possibly DeAndre Swift. <laughs> uh, those kind of guys who even if they don't break something, and yep. I think Theo Riddick was really good at it too yes, for fantasy. As a flex option for sure. As a flex option. But would just catch, and you don't even have to run after the catch much. It's just catching multiple passes in the game, just get you few few points. Yep. If you take a guy purely like Derrick Henry, it's not a bad option because he's just going to get forty carries a game or whatever. Yep. But you're only getting the rushing from that. Mm-hmm. So if he rushes for one hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown, okay, cool, you got like eighteen points. Yep. But if I got a guy like DeAndre Swift and he runs for eighty yards yep. and a touchdown, but he also has six catches for twenty yards, yep. now you're getting those. Yep. Reception points along with the rushing points. And you're getting and a guy probably about six or seven rounds later. later yeah. yeah. You're finding the value later in the rounds because so, you're not picking Swift first. You're picking so, Swift in like the fifth Talk round. to me a little bit about that, about positional value, right? Like for you, is it almost uh, – let's let's do – I think I have a ranking up here. Hold on. Give me one second. Uh, just, 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 uh, maybe uh, maybe I lost it. Um, but like if we're doing a ranking, right, of, of running backs, right? Yeah. So I would say uh, Saquon, Christian McCaffrey – Camara probably, mm-hmm. um, Nick Chubb mm-hmm. and Dalvin, maybe for what for, for, for just like in yeah, general like, yeah like your and Derrick Henry oh and Derrick yeah, yeah duh right are those in your mind like if you're and I want to talk about draft positioning too yeah. if you can help it as well but um, are those like are those guys where if they're on the board you're taking them no matter what wide receiver is there for you or you know like is that is there a are the wide receivers? I know last year, just for reference, like you took Michael Thomas from yes. the first over. Obviously, yeah. it didn't work out because he's yeah, you know, he ankles don't work. But yeah. um, uh, on the surface, it's a great pick. He was the best wide receiver in football two yeah. years ago. Taught a ton of passes, still over a thousand yards, all that jazz. Um, for you though, like, is there a threshold for you where, like, okay, if these three are gone, I'd almost rather just take a wide receiver and take my chances at getting a running yeah. back in rounds two, three, yeah. six, seven. So, so there's there's very select few people. So yeah. you generally, I feel like running back first round is like the nice take. Yeah. Now, if you're picking like eight or nine, and you're like scratching, and the you're, scratching like, you're trying yeah. to get like the, the Melvin Gordon, the Zeeks, <laughs> and the and those kind of guys, or the the yeah. Gibsons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Car- Chris Carson is another guy that could yep. probably be around there. Yep. Um, I think I think then the strategy turns into okay, what's a team that has one star wide receiver yep. that gets all the touches? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably where you'd want to go at that point yep. because you can find a second round running back like a Chris Carson, yep. like a Swift, especially because you're in like a state draft usually, so you're coming right yeah, back around, like a Montgomery from Chicago that you can pick up yep. and give good stuff, mm-hmm. but you're going to pick a top end at yep. a different position. So a guy I would look at is like a Devontae Adams, which we talked about because you came in Lazard, yeah, right. Randall Cobb's going to be the second option, but he's a clear number one. Yep. I usually, I would have said before, like, like a month ago, AJ Brown from Tennessee mm-hmm. would have been a nice, like go to now Julio's there. So right. it makes it a lot right. more difficult. Talk there. Talk a little bit about the, the backfield position where like the split, everybody wants to have two good running backs. Yeah. Right. Like Lions, Jamal Williams, Andre Swift, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Um, but there's certain teams like 
the Giants, who name me their backup running back. Yeah. You can't, right? Um, does it put Saquon, even though he has injury risk, above a guy like a Nick Chubb because you're worried about the carries being yes, taken away 100%. and all that good stuff? There, there's three. So I would I would call Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, uh, Kamara to a certain extent, and like Dalvin Cook. And Derrick Henry. Those are yeah. the five that are like that unappeated. Unappeated have like they're the only running backs you could probably name on the roster mm-hmm. that are like the top running backs in their like yep. in the league. Yep. So those are the guys who I would probably look at first. Yep. Even if they don't get the receptions, like if mm-hmm. um, yeah, because they're going because they're like Derrick Henry is revolves around them. Yeah. Like you're like Derrick Henry will carry the ball like thirty times, mm-hmm. so he's bound to get a yep. hundred yards and a touchdown, Correct. which is a good week for a running yep. back and stuff. Yeah. Um, Consistency is key. And the other four I named are literally receiving backs for the most part too yeah, right. so that that just works out too yeah. but you those are the most important ones because they're they the whole team revolves around them mm-hmm. after those like five guys i think like a chub is a good pick mm-hmm. but he's not gonna he's gonna get like 75 25 with kareem hunt yep. and at that point you go and kareem hunt's probably gonna take most of his receptions too yeah so you're gonna get a or just a pure running back yep. that's gonna be splitting carries yep. in a three to one ratio with someone else offense you know yeah, like, that's so so that's the thing that worries me with guys like that. Mm-hmm. Where if if I had the option of Devontae Adams or maybe like a Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and uh, or or Stephon Diggs is another right. big one yep. or Nick Chubb, right. I think that's when you go maybe yeah. you take the receiver yeah. right. because you know Devontae Adams is going to get eleven catches for hundred yards because he's <laughs> only going to be targeted for the most part. Right. Where like Nick Chubb is going to be productive but not as productive as the other guys. That now from receivers before. here, do you, do you have a uh, on your hierarchy, right? So mm-hmm. let's let's say Devonte Adams is the number one fantasy option. Let's yes. just I, I, he's top three anyway, right? Yes, I don't I don't have rankings in front of me, but okay. If because he plays with Aaron Rodgers, does mm-hmm. that give you more confidence in a pick as compared to a guy? Um, let's say like like so. Let's say Julio wasn't on the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You take AJ Brown in round say three, for mm-hmm. instance, right? Are you more confident? Or another one, a good one, I think, is like Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson, yes. right? With the quarterback situation, though, does it concern you to take a guy because he doesn't have a great quarterback as compared to somebody like Devontae Adams, who, yeah. even though he's a machine on his own, yeah. Rodgers puts him over the top. So, or like maybe Michael Thomas taking the injuries out of it. Who's throwing to him? Yeah. I don't know. See, so I don't take that into consideration a whole lot. So okay. my my hierarchy goes uh, single receiver teams. Right. So like a Michael Thomas for the yep. most part, like like that. And then it's split receiver teams with a good quarterback, and then split receiver teams with like a okay to bad quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I would have like a hierarchy to like name something. So like Stephon Diggs would be over like Tyler Lockett for me, mm-hmm. even though I think Tyler Lockett might be better or yeah. so, or might be better. I think Stephon Diggs is going to get the pure reception from Josh Allen. Right. And Josh Allen's also a good quarterback, so that yeah. helps. Yeah. But like Stephon Diggs, but then like I would take uh, Tyler Lockett over like Odell or Jarvis Landry, right. even though I think Odell is probably one of the best receivers yep. in football. In right. You have Baker Mayfield throwing to him, which is yeah. – you know, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I have Russell Wilson throwing a Tyler Lockett or a DK Metcalf. Right. So I take. I would always take the single receiver first. Okay. And then, um, and then from there you go, or like Keenan Allen from yes. the Chargers. He's yeah. another one where it's like mostly a single receiver guy. Yeah. yeah. So you take those single receiver guys, and then like the next subsection would be okay. There's two good wide receivers mm-hmm. with a good quarterback, and then you go. 
two wide receivers with like a bad quarterback. Talk to me a little bit about quarterback receiver ratio there. Where like, do do you try to steer away from having the same quarterback and receiver on the teams? Like, that's, if Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen are both. Yeah, like, that's you love Justin Herbert. And I know you love Keenan Allen, and that's somebody that that's a sleeper guy at least in my mind is Keenan yeah. Allen because he's a machine. Um, you know, like. Are, is it, I see. Do you try to stay away now, from it, or do you, one, go, you know what? I'm just gonna embrace it and do it. See, this one's tough for me. I think um, if they're a good team, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. If you're like Chicago, even if it's like, if Fields turns out to be really good, or I'll give you Arizona, yeah. Arizona with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I'm like, I like that connection because you just get the yards for mm-hmm. both. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like if you're not a very good team, yeah. I think it like it that matters also. Right. right. Um. But that's a very interesting one because I know a lot of people in our league, I think it's almost 50-50, yeah. where like, people are like, whoever are my star receivers, I want that quarterback to like get those yards. Right. But then there's the same time where it's like, if you're, say, if you're say Arizona and you're playing against the 49ers and you have a bad day, that means two people on your team Right. Have a bad, bad day. day, right? So yeah. it's two important spots, yeah. Too. So I think it, I think it helps. Like I lost uh, my cousin, like Kyle, the yep. whale man that's on this show last yep. year, because he had Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. And so off. when Tyler Lockett had yeah. two hundred yards and two touchdowns, that means Russell Wilson had two touchdowns yeah, and two hundred yards. So you double dip there. Yeah. But on the other hand, he also played a game against the Bills where Tyler Lockett had one catch for thirty yards, and Russell Wilson went like six for 18 for 50 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. So that, at that point you don't double dip. And now both of your guys did right. really bad. Right. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. Mm-hmm. I tend to go with it. Yeah. Cause I, I like, like I trust the, I trust the relationship. I trust like Rogers and Devonte Adams to right. be good more weeks than not. Yeah. But it is, it does get sketchy when you look at some guys, like yeah. if you're like, Oh, Baker and OBJ. BK, Baker and OBJ. You're not yeah. going to get that every single week. So, yeah. do you really want that? Yeah. So, it depends on the matchup for me. Okay, uh, a couple more here before we wrap it up. Tight ends. Um, where stuff? I. How do you go into a draft evaluating? We talked off air, right? Where it was like Jimmy Graham would have been like a for sure first round pick when yeah. he was at his peak, right? Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey's probably there now. I would, yeah, I would guess. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the Kittles of the world. I think Hawkinson low key is another sleeper that no one's thinking about that should be because he's going to get a lot of catches. But that's the Lions fan in me. Um, but um, where where do you take a tight end? Where where do you think the sweet spot is? Because you're, there's going to be some guys that overvalue the tight end, yeah. right? Like I know a lot of players who. And I'm going to shout out my buddy Vance from work because he he's told me this. Where like He would go like running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, in any four of those combinations. Yeah. And then his next pick, because he wouldn't take a top two or three tight end, would always be a tight end. Because mm-hmm. like, I got to get one. right? I would rather do that before like maybe there's a value pick at a running back some spot. Or like, nope, no matter. I'm taking a tight end because I need to get that guy. Yeah. Right? And some people will literally go and take – every position before they look at the bench a lot of times, right? Yep. Like, like I got to get a starter before I can worry about taking yep. an, uh, an extra person. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the tight end and, and that whole philosophy? Like, do you, do you just try to fill out your starting rotation first before you, you look yeah. at depth? Because sometimes you miss out on some guys. You're like, nope, I got to take a quarterback here. It's round five. I need a guy, blah, blah, blah. I, I think, I think the tight ends position specifically, I think there's a top four yeah. and then there's, a decent to big yeah, drop tier off. Two, yeah. There's like, there's definitely like tier one, make a little space tier two. <laughs> so I think that if you're, 
I think it, it. I think in the back of the draft, if you're if you're an 11, 12 pick, yeah. I think it helps you a lot because I think on that on that fourth round, mm-hmm. I think you could swing by and pick up a third or fourth. Like I think Travis Kelsey will go first round in most drafts, yeah. like late first round. Yep. I think he's that kind or of guy early second, or early yeah. second. Um, I think that a guy like um. Darren Waller from Las Vegas. He's rated as like the third very tight end. Good. He's very good. I very think that's good. a guy that early fourth round, if you're on the 12 mm-hmm. and you just get that back-to-back pick, yeah. I think that fourth pick being Darren Waller instead of another wide receiver yep. or running back, I yep. think is a good option there. Yeah, because um, the tight end now is become because it's so pass-heavy yeah. now, it, it is no longer, I need my tight end to get 60 yards. Yeah. It is now, I need my tight end to get 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, yeah, that's exactly. where you need the production. Yeah, so so um, if you're able to get one of those. For, now, after that, the drop-off, like, obviously, Hawkinson's there, who I think could be good. Yep. Kyle Pitts is there. Yep. Um, Tunyon from Green Bay. Gronkowski. But, like, you could tell there's, like, that drop-off of names mm-hmm. I just said mm-hmm. to where, like, if those top four, which Who's is your re- top four? You got Kelsey, Kittle, uh, Waller and, and Mark Andrews Mark from, Andrews from Baltimore. That was, so, I could not remember. I know Mike, he's from Baltimore. I don't know. Yeah. So those are the four. Yeah. And I guess if you want to throw like an Austin Hooper or Njoku, I guess, no. but I don't, yeah, I don't They take I, away from each other. Yeah. So I can't put them so, in the top spot. So those four. And then after that, I would, I would definitely, if those four are not there, no. definitely key in on get your two wide receivers, get your two running backs, maybe even, roll around on a flex or a quarterback yeah. and then probably look at your tight end because mm-hmm. at that point your tight end position isn't going to be that strong anyway yeah. mm-hmm. so make sure you get the best possible flex that you can or the best possible quarterback that you can before you roll yeah. into like a Noah Fant who might have a game or two that are good but isn't right. going to give he's, you the big yeah, numbers he's going to be he's going to get you 30 yards or 40 yards something like that he's yeah. not going to put up legit legit numbers, legit numbers. Yes. okay um last question here and this one's a little bit tricky because um, sometimes you don't have a lot of control over it, right? Mm-hmm. But draft positioning, okay, whether you're first. Because yeah. in, in a lot of mine, you're like, oh, man, being the first pick must be awesome. In fantasy, it's really not the case a lot of times because yeah. most people do snake drafts. I don't know anybody who just goes 1 through 12 and then 1 through 12 again. I think, I think that, that's very unfair. That is the dumbest thing ever because yes. then 12 is screwed. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have, to, you have to snake draft in yeah. Some, yeah. some sort right. of way. So. so with that being said, right, um, there is some benefit to being the first pick because, hey, get the first pick, right? I get whoever I want. I can take yeah. Christian McCaffrey. I can take whoever. Being the 12th pick, you get back-to-back. So you're first and second. You're going to get a good player and a really good value second round, right? Mm-hmm. But then you've got to wait that yeah, whole time. So you you got to be really perfect on those first two picks. I've always tended to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. I would love to be pick six, seven, yeah. because I have the least amount of wait time in between my yes. picks. That's that's me personally. Um, give me your thoughts on what kind of thought process you should have if you're on the first half of the draft, or you're on the back half, or if you're in the middle. Like, you know, where where does your mind go when it comes to that? Does it change positional value yeah. for you depending on where you're at? Yeah. So, like I said, I think if you're top five, I think you're picking a running back of some sort. Yeah. Um. I mean, I picked Michael Thomas for last year, but yeah. I, I I mean, he was like the best. You receiver. had a plan, and I, your I, plan I, went really bad really quickly because yeah. people overvalued the guys that you were going to take, yeah. and you went. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah, people overvalued a lot of people. Like, like I did not yeah. think people were gonna value Austin Eckler in the I early know. second and round. They were like, so, I remember you threw your pen down. And you went, dang, dang it, yeah. 
So, but generally, if you're in the top five, I yeah. would say you're picking one of the five running backs we talked about. Yep. The McCaffrey, Saquons, Kamaras, Derrick yep. Henry, like those guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty easy. I think if you're six, seven, eight, I think you look at if someone did a Michael and picked a wide receiver at four or five. <laughs> did a Michael. Then you could, if you can sneak a Derrick Henry or something, or a top yep. receiver, like even like a Nick Chubb at that point, if you're like eight, that's still very good value at yep. eight, uh, even though he's a dual back. Um, you get that there. I actually tend to like to be like nine and ten okay, because I cool. I like being in that spot because I'm not a big fan of the heavy running backs. Like yeah. I'm, I don't care for the Christian McCaffrey's and stuff. Yeah. I'm like give me really? my top tier receiver and then I go find my favorite running back in the second yeah. round. Okay, and that's kind of where I like to be. Or I'll get my tight end in the second round All and right. then you can yeah. kind of fill yeah, up two you're really notorious. good spots. You take defense earlier than most. You take kickers because you're like I'd rather have the best defense yes. and take them a little bit early. Then like I see we talked about we talked about do you fill out your team or do you fill some of your bench out? I fill out the whole team first. Yeah. So I'm like seventh, eighth round, I'm picking the Steelers defense because I know that Steelers defense is giving me fourteen points every week or something. Whereas if you wait and you just pick up a free agent defense, Mm -hmm. you're picking up, you know, um, yeah, people do that. Dallas That's something defense that people recommend doing is like just every week just go to a different defense. I'm yeah, like, I don't. It stresses me out. Yeah, man. like I, I like to have solidified spots. Like yeah. I like having Justin Tucker as my kicker right. and going. He's, he's, every, my, kicker. he's yeah. my kicker until that one bye week where yeah. he can't play, but right. he is the kicker every single week because I know he's gonna make three field goals every single week. Right. Like it's just stuff like that where I like filling out the team, mm-hmm. and so. But that's why picking like eight, nine, ten for me is good. I don't. I mean, twelve is kind of far down. It's only two more spots down. Yeah. But it's the double dip, and then you have to wait forever. But I like having that 8-9 because I think you can still get the premium yeah. top two, three wide receiver that you want. Mm-hmm. And then you come right back, and it's like, okay, now I get Chris Carson, or yeah. I get e- either I, him I, or – uh, for, uh, for a, a statistical analysis of that, right? Like what is statistically the best spot to yeah. be in picking in a 12-team draft, right? If, like is it in the middle? Because I've always thought the middle just because the wait time was yeah. the least amount. So like I liked having – the least amount of time in between my picks rather than having 12 all the way to one and then one all the way yeah. back to 12 again. That's me. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this yeah. is a really long. I, I think I think it depends because I think having that 12, 13, you just get back-to-back picks. Right. So like, it's right. like, like for me, like when I was picking four, I was like, all right, I got Michael Thomas. But then it's like- It's not so bad the first round, but it's, it's rounds like- Four or five, six. No, but what what I'm saying about the back-to-back, though, is you can kind of like, okay, so when the pick's coming up to you, you go, okay, who are the few people that I want? Yeah. And, like, it's hard when you're picking in the middle for me to, like, okay, I want – like, say I want – okay, I want Mike Thomas. I want Austin Eckler. Right. Well, that's tough because I don't know in 12 picks – Right. If Austin Eckler is going to be there, yeah. But I do know that if I'm picking 12, 13, and they're both still there. Yeah. I can get both of them for sure. For so sure. that's why I like picking. I like picking on extreme ends yeah. on either side. Yeah. I guess is the way I would put it mm-hmm. because I like um, being able to go. Okay, so here's like my, my short list of five guys that I want here. Right. But instead, it's like if I pick at six, I have to wait. Yeah. 12 picks and hope that that guy lands back yeah. there. Where instead, like, I'm like, I just get both I guys like I want. I like preferring wearing, waiting the 12 picks rather than waiting the 24 picks. Right? Yeah. Like waiting like all the way. Okay, yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? So that, that's just, that was always just yeah. my preference personally. I won a couple leagues that way. It's probably why I think like that. It's yeah. like that's how you did it. Um, fun fact, I was in a league one time where the first overall pick was Eddie Lacy from the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Right, and that guy time. did not do well. <laughs> he, thought, he thought he had it. <laughs> uh, real quick. Give me, give me three sleepers 
Three sleepers. Three sleepers. Well, that's a lot of sleepers. Three sleepers. Doesn't have any position you want. Quarterback. Okay. Quarterback, let's see. Let me. Let's go through defensive the defensive player. For let's some go weird th- leagues that have a random defensive guy. I don't know. <laughs> let's go through so the Rolodex weird. in my head yeah. here and find some sleepers. Take some guys that you're not going to say. Some guys that you're like. I hope nobody actually like everybody uses these. <laughs> no, guys. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I don't know. I was gonna. I'm gonna say it just so they think that that's what yeah, I want, and then it's not actually yep. gonna be. There you go. Um. Let's see. Well, let's go through some of this. I think um, Swift is a sleeper for me personally. Just. Just because of what the lack of offensive weapons in the in Detroit right now, that's a guy where you're like he's gonna get plenty of touches, both receiving and running. Even if he's splitting the load running wise with Jamal Williams, he's gonna catch a lot of passes this mm-hmm. year. So that's a guy for me rounds five, rounds four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Especially if you need that second running back who's a starter, I think that's a I think that's a really good pick for me personally. Yes. Like if I was if I was drafting, I'm just gonna be the guy criticizing all these picks. Um, I yeah. wouldn't recommend taking Cooper Cup round and round pick eight in the first round, uh, George. Um, <laughs> so I hope you're listening to this, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he'll uh, be there. Yeah, I know he'll be there, so. and I'm not gonna let him forget it. Um, yeah. But outside of that, are there any guys that you're just like maybe not even so much sleepers, but like guys that you're just like they're prime for a big year yep. for whatever reason. So okay, not so. Drew Lock. <laughs> Yeah, we were, like, we were like, yeah, one. yeah, we all did not know what we were talking Swing about. Swing and a miss. Uh, okay, first guy. So I yeah. got three. I okay. think we hope. Okay. Um, first guy we're gonna pick is uh, J.K. Dobbins from Baltimore. Love that. Uh, yeah. he's going to run heavy. He's gonna run hard. And without Mark Ingram there, he's it's just it's it's, it's them two. Yeah. It's read option, and, and he's gonna do what Mark Ingram did. But he's just the he's only better. guy to do that. He's, he's better. better to he's do faster. it. Faster. He's more athletic. I love J.K. Dobbins. He, I know he's from Ohio State. I wanted the Lions to take him <laughs> two yeah. years ago if he was available. Um, they took Swift instead, so I'm not mad, but still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my second pick is going to be a guy that I've actually said, I think, three times on this show. So, obviously, yep. I want him. So, mm-hmm. anyone listening to this league, don't take him. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carson. Yeah. Because I think everyone forgets, like, when I just named me those seven or eight running backs. Yep. And he wasn't on that list. Everyone yep. just forgets that Chris Carson's like well, around. Well, because he's not the sexy player of the offense. It's yeah. DK Metcalf. It's DK. It's, DK, it's Kyler Russ. Russ. Yep. You got like the big three there kind of thing. Yep. Uh, it's their defense, but Jamal Chris Adams Carson and stuff. But Chris really Carson makes the world go round for them. He's yeah. a phenomenal. Yeah, he's there. a pounding ground guy, so he's not going to catch a lot, but he Underrated, will get you some stuff. He always falls forward. It, I, it, there's no way he's not averaging at least three and a half yards a carry. Yeah. And then let's see. Let's find a third. I think my third is going to be from the Chargers. We're going to go with. I can't say Justin Herbert. I was going to say Jared Cook. Okay, but no, I'm fine. just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> that's some deep digs in the early on boys right, uh, yeah. right there. That's uh, good stuff. I'm going to go Mike Williams because go. everyone's going to always forget about Mike Williams because yep. Keaton Allen's like the star, like yep. by himself guy, like I said earlier. But Mike Williams, I think, can when undercut. When is very good as a number two, for yeah. sure. So draft those three guys in like rounds five, six, and seven, and you'll be successful. There you go. All right. There's some tips there for your fantasy drafts coming up here from – from the Merc Zone himself, I was less than useless because, like when I said, I'm, I when I'm one and eleven this year because of these, uh, don't <laughs> these blame tips. me. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, that's gonna be it for this week's show, though, guys. Obviously, we're gonna kind of follow up here on on training camp. We're maybe doing. I want to do a deep dive too, Mike, uh, into this Lions roster at some point as well. It's not pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that we should do that. Probably maybe as cuts kind of start to roll in a little bit, yep. just to kind of get a full grasp of. 
what the Lions are going to be working with this year. We're going to be doing some rankings here in the next couple weeks, obviously, uh, of the teams as camp goes on. Obviously, any new breaking breaking news on the pro wrestling front we're going to be talking about as well, as well as anything the Tigers and Wings do. We'll probably talk Wings next week. They made a flurry of free agent signings, but quite frankly, it was too many to name in a short segment. So mm-hmm. here we are. But that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merck's own Mike Merkel. I am the mouth of Michigan, Rob Medega, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.